ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass, and it is a Wednesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. We have a fun show planned for you. Always do. Uh, Why the Face Wednesday? Joe makes faces on Wednesday. I'm not sure what it is about Wednesdays, uh, but he does. We, the Super Bowl is set, 49ers and Chiefs. What is a better comp, you think, for the Texans are going to be? Also, the trade deadline's right around the corner. Hearing some news on that. I have a fear ahead of the uh, trade deadline for the Rockets as well. But the big news in the city of Houston yesterday, at least when it comes from a sports perspective, is that Bobby Slowick and Gerard Johnson are staying with the Houston Texans. And to me, Blankers, this signals two different things for the organization. The very first thing is Cal McNair spent money, which is something we got into a little bit yesterday as the story broke, but more time to let it marinate and kind of sink in. Cal McNair, again, spending money, which, you know, maybe that's Kerry's issue, is that Cal's spending all of the McNair's money. But um, he's already he's already spending lots of money on the coaches that he's fired. Bill O'Brien, I don't know if he's still paying on Bill O'Brien. I have no idea. Uh, still paying on David Culley, still paying on Lovey Smith, and then also the guys on the staff that, that he had contracts with that he had to pay out. So, again, he shows you that he's willing to spend money, which is fantastic. We all want owners that spend money, even if it's not theirs and it belongs to the estate. Who cares? We want the product on the field. The second thing that it, that it shows to me, and who knows if Bobby Slowick would have been offered the Washington job or the Seattle job. According to, what was it, Rappaport that broke the news? Uh, whoever broke the news. They said that this deal had been done days ago. So he accepted the, the extension, the right. raise. I'm not sure if it's an extension, but a new contract with more money before those two jobs were filled. So Bobby Slowick, he might not have turned down those jobs, but he turned down the possibility of being offered one of those two jobs to stay another year with the Houston Texans on a, on a bigger contract. Same thing with Gerard Johnson. I have no idea if Gerard Johnson was going to be offered an offensive coordinator job in the NFL. We do know that he was interviewing all over the place, and we do know that a lot of these positions are still open. So Gerard might not have turned down an offensive coordinator job to stick with the Houston Texans another year, but he did turn down the opportunity to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL to be the quarterback coach for C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans for another year. Same thing with Slowick. So what that tells me is you had two guys who are really good at their job, that wanted to stay here. Why? Because it's a good culture. And we talk about D'Amico Ryan's building culture and and how much that it – and today's the one-year anniversary, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later as well. But this is the culture that D'Amico Ryan's has put forth in one year. If Gerard didn't like working with D'Amico Ryan's, there's a good chance that he would be somewhere else. Bobby Slowick, maybe not, because the head coaching jobs were evaporating. They were going fast. There was only two left. But if he didn't like working with D'Amico, he would have at least waited for those jobs to fill before agreeing to another year. So not only is it Cal McNair's willingness to spend, which tip my cap to you, Cal McNair, spending the estate's money, but also it's the culture that D'Amico has built. Slowick feels like it's a good place to work. Maybe something special is brewing. Gerard feels it's a good place to work. Maybe something special is brewing. And that's a really good spot to be if you're a fan of the Houston Texans. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, you take it back, Jeremy, about the last two, three years. And across the city, in any team, I mean, the the two major teams not named the Astros, culture was a major problem. 
it, it seemed like everything was a dumpster fire and a disaster. And now how quickly we've turned a, a 180 on both, but in particular with the Texans, where it was a three-plus-year tragedy where we kept talking about the black cloud that was hovering that wouldn't leave. It was Jack Easterby. It was Deshaun. It was the joke of how many coaches we were going through and, and the process or lack thereof of how they were getting to where they were trying to get to. And now when we talk about the fact that even from free agency, but just overall the perception across the league has changed because the culture is so different because it's such a positive place to talk about when it starts with what's on the field, obviously with the product that was put on the field and the way they performed. But because the the, the head coach is up for coach of the year honors, has turned everything around, has gotten the kind of you know, buy-in that everybody was just hoping for when he took the job. And no one, let's be honest, no one knew how he was going to do. There was anticipation, there was expectations, but no one knew that he was going to actually be able to do it. We've seen first-year head coaches with their first opportunities fall flat on their face, see Nathaniel Hackett and others. But with D'Amico, how quickly he was able to change the culture, how quickly he was able to get the buy-in, and how quickly he and Nick developed a communication and a mutual respect so that they can work together, not against each other, which we've seen in the past too. So it's a, it's a, and you're right. It starts at the top. Give Cal and Hannah their credit for, for doing the right things, whether it's staying out of the way or opening up the checkbook, but making sure that this wasn't a one and done situation for this culture and for what's what they're building here. Yeah, and I think that it's a good spot to be. And I know that it's like maybe a little bit stressful at times. They're like, oh, no, you're trying to dodge a bullet uh, to see if uh, an offensive coordinator is going to leave. You're, you're trying to dodge a bullet that, you know, Gerard Johnson, who's the quarterback coach for C.J. Stroud, uh, he might be leaving, things like that. But it's a good spot to be because whenever your coaches are being coveted, it means that you're doing things well. I can't think of a coach other than Mike Vrabel who was coveted whenever Bill O'Brien was here. Was George Gotze ever viewed as a head coaching candidate? Absolutely not. Was Tim Kelly? Absolutely not. Even the defensive court, like I loved Romeo Cornell. Romeo at that stage of his career was not going to be a head coach, which I'm okay with that, but it was never coveted to be a head coach. Mike Vrabel really had a bad year as the defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. The one season he was calling defensive plays, got the Tennessee job, but no one really cared about that. No one really like lost any sleep that Mike Vrabel was leaving. Turned out that the best head coach on that staff was leaving whenever he left because he was better than O'Brien, but no one lost any sleep over that. No one on David Culley's staffs were thinking about leaving no one on lovey smith's staff were thinking about leaving to get promotions they might have got lateral moves around the league but in order to get promotions there weren't heard head coaching candidates on either staff i guess you could say lovey was a head coaching candidate on david cully's staff but that's a joke like that's that's well, how many were being pursued period whether no, it was no, a promotion many. or not i don't think there were many at all the only one i can think of in the last three is Vrabel. Is mm-hmm. Rabel who left you as a defensive coordinator to be a head coach? Now, you can make the case Lovey did because Lovey went from your D.C. to your head coach, but we all know that those two years of coaching carousels were a circus. We know that it was all a, you know, a laughable matter, like – they hired, They interviewed McCown twice. They might have hired McCown if it weren't for Brian Flores. Who knows if that story's true? So that whole circus for two years is laughable. I'm not counting Lovey Smith as this hot shot commodity around the NFL. So it's a good spot to be. But it's an even better spot whenever you have offensive coordinator turning down the possibility of being a head coach somewhere 
and whenever you have a quarterback coach turning down the possibility to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. And from their perspective, it might be a better career move. We got into it a little bit yesterday when it came to like Ben Johnson. Maybe it is in the best interest of Bobby Slowick to get another year as an offensive coordinator, have a good year, no guarantees, and then you have better positions opening next year. I think from a Gerard Johnson standpoint, this is very wise too because I wouldn't want to be the offensive coordinator for Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. Right. I wouldn't want to be the offensive coordinator for Derek Carr in New Orleans. And I know that he had other places as well. But I'm also much more confident of Gerard Johnson taking over the offensive coordinator position if Bobby Slowick were to leave next year. I love Gerard. People, if you don't know my history with Gerard, we went to the same high school. He's good friends with my younger cousin. Uh, we're on a first-name basis. When we see him, shake hands, got his number in his phone. He asked me for tickets, which, sorry, sorry, didn't give you the hookup on that. But That'll cost you. I, I did have my worries about him taking over as an offensive coordinator with one year in the San Francisco yeah. scheme under Bobby Slowick. Now that we know he's going to have two, I have no qualms whatsoever that Gerard Johnson in two years will be ready to be the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. No, you're absolutely right. And look, I had some concerns as well, but when, when you look at the, the progression and the way it took place, and, and I look at it from a, a slowic perspective too, like you, you, you're only going to get so many opportunities. I get that. And, and I'm taking Ben Johnson out of the equation. But for Slowick, the fact is, and even for Gerard especially, like the first time getting into this kind of mix with these guys – to my, kind of understand, this is the newfangled NFL passing game. This is the system that everybody is really, you know, seeking and, and it's highly sought after. The more experience I get here, the better off long-term I'm going to be. If I'm, if I'm the quarterback's coach, look, the fact that I'm getting interviews after one year as the quarterback coach under, in this system with the Texans means that this is, this is not going to stop overnight, right? So if I can stay for another year and learn another year, just like if I'm Bobby Slowick and I say, hey, yeah, I made some mistakes, but I obviously got a lot of love this in this coaching cycle. But I love what I got. I love my quarterback. I love the possibility that we're going to get better because we have all these assets to work with. Like, you would have to knock my socks off for, for me to actually want to leave one year in as opposed to give me another year calling plays, and if I have any year where near the same success, the offers aren't going anywhere. And I'm a culture guy, so I, I like that part of it. Like, I, I like that you have a couple of coveted coaches that are like, hey, we're, we, we're going to pass up on a couple of opportunities to stay here. Uh, Todd the Show, seeing that OCs are, I don't know why everybody has the same thought, parroting each other. Uh, Todd the Show on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. We love all of you that do not work. Uh, he says, seeing that o OCs are getting almost $4 million a year, longevity might be more appealing than getting a head coaching job with the pressure, pressure of getting fired after a year. We got into this conversation a little bit yesterday with Ben Johnson. Um, like, these offense coordinators aren't going poor. Like, these offense coordinators aren't having trouble putting food on the, uh, on the table for their family. Now, I'm never going to blame a coordinator for chasing the head coaching dream, even if it means that they're taking a lousy job and very likely could get fired in three years. But... I would push back and say that you need to be an offense coordinator in a good offense because just like there's pressure on the head coach and getting fired after a year, offensive coordinators get fired after one year sure. all the time too. And if you're not in a good offense, we expect the Houston Texans offense to get better. They weren't a top 10 offense this year. We expect them to get better. you got to make sure you're in that good offense before you can be like, okay, this is a cush job, great job security, blah, 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 blah. Because if Bobby Slowick with a tough schedule next year has a bottom five offense in the NFL, we're not going from, oh, yeah, keep Bobby Slowick. We're going from who can replace Bobby Slug. That's how quickly it changes in, in sports 
and in the NFL. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's the, and you know, I always use the Janet Jackson terminology of what have you done for me lately, but it's the Janet, Janet Jackson theory, which is, and principle, which is if, if you've done something great, everybody wants to talk to you. But if you, if, if you know, everything changes in a year's time, there's going to be another hot commodity that's out there. Another coaching staff that had a big year offensively that people are going to talk to. Look at the Cowboys when Kellen Moore had, had the great year that he had. And everybody wanted to talk to him. And then the Cowboys had to lock him up. And then he had a bad year. McCarthy ended up getting rid of him and, and basically taking over offensive play calling. And then because he had a bad year with the Chargers, he wasn't going to get those head coach coaching opportunities again. Now he had to go back to square one of, I hope I get another OC job. And luckily for him, he did. But this is how quickly things change in this league. CJ saying I'm feeling sassy today. I feel sassy every day. I, I'm sassy, Branham, most of the time. 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. He's, uh, he's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. If you don't have a job, that's where you hang out. We're also on YouTube. Just search ESPN Houston on YouTube. That's where all the professionals hang out. The ESPN Houston uh, on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> Why the Face Wednesday? We'll get into some of this rocket trade deadline stuff. The Astros made a splash today. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They traded for a 4A outfielder. It wasn't Cody Bellinger. Uh, they traded for Cabbage. That's the guy's name, Cabbage. He's John Singleton that can run a little fast. All right, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. It is also the one-year anniversary of D'Amico Ryans becoming the Texans head coach. That's when Adam Schefter reported D'Amico Ryans was going to be the head coach of the Houston Texans. What's your impression after 365 days? 713-780-3776. Killer East, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, before we go to the break, tell you a little bit about Allstate Windows and Siding. It's time to give your home a facelift because it is your most valuable investment. And for most of us, your biggest investment. And that means you got to take care of it. And sometimes it could be just protecting the outside of the house so that you and your all the contents of the house and everything that goes with it, like all the energy you're putting into your house, is conserved, saved, and protected. And that's why you go to Allstate Siding and Windows because they have a huge selection of colors and energy-efficient quality siding. And they have tons of winter specials, like $2,500 off on a complete siding job with 24 months interest-free. It's family-run for three generations, and they are here to help. Mary, Mike, the entire family, they're fantastic. They can come to your house and tell you exactly how they can help. And from a Windows perspective, it's the same thing. It's time to give your home the protection it needs. They are going to put the, they just put windows in my house. And I'm telling you right now, one, aesthetically on the outside, it gives the house a, a, an upgrade, a facelift, and it makes the house look more valuable. Inside is where it's really important, though, because these windows and that siding, are, they're, they're Texas tough for all the different weather elements. We know you got to keep it cool in the summer, and you gotta, you're going to need that heat from time to time in the winter. But the bigger thing, too, is it's hurricane-tested products that are going to protect and be the outer protection that you need for your house. Check them out today. Give them a call. they got specials galore on both sides, the siding and the windows. 832-204-1936. Have them come to your house and see how they can help. 832-204-1936, or check out the website, Allstate windowsandsiding.com ESPN 975.com fighter of the night man I miss you night man so bad <laughs> all teams covered no stalking points necessary you're back with the killer bees on 975 and 925.
live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Yeah, the Astros traded uh, Carlos Espinosa, a low minor league pitcher. They have some tools. I mean, they all do, right? Uh, for Trey Cabbage for the Los Angeles Angels. He, he, hits, he hits a lot of home runs in AAA. He's kind of John Singleton with speed is what he is, and more position flexibility. He, like, debuted against the Astros last year. I, I don't remember. He, he got did, his open. and he actually got his first hit against yeah, the Astros. Yeah, first career hit against well, the there Astros. There you go. Yeah. If you can't beat him, trade for him. I saw, I saw that one moment, little yeah. blooper in front of Chas McCormick. <laughs> we were watching it before the show. So that's my guy. Literally everybody else could beat him. Except for the I, Astros. I, I in think that you're actually right. He had his whole career in one game against the Astros, and then the Astros came back and won the game. Did they? Because yeah. he's only he's only played. Uh, he played last year a little bit. Had a cup of coffee. He had 51 at bats, if I remember reading it correctly. So he's still 53. So he's still technically a rookie. He hit 208 in those 53 at bats. He was 11 for 53. He did homer once. 232 on base, 321 slugging, OPS plus of 49. If you're unfamiliar with OPS plus, the average number on OPS plus is 100. They kind of do bell curve to where the average baseball player is 100. He was at 49. He's John Singleton that can play a little bit of outfield and can run. That's who he is. Does John Singleton strike out 49% of the time? Probably close. Because that's what this kid did. I mean, flip a coin. If it lands on heads, Trey Cabbage is probably going to strike out. He struck out 26 times in 53 at-bats. But does he have the overall plate discipline of John Singleton last year? It doesn't look like it. Just looking at his at his career numbers, it does not look like he has the plate discipline of John Singleton. What this is is an option for the last bench spot. This is a unless they sign somebody else. This is an option to fight with Corey Jolks to fight for John Single with John Singleton. Uh, Trey Cabbage will be in the mix. Maybe a prospect or two that are fighting for the last bench spot on the Houston Astros. And That's maybe if what they trade Jake Myers, he could be their replacement speedy outfielder, backup yeah. outfielder, too. I mean, they're not trading for him. Oh, that's a shame. No, they're not trading. They're not trading Jake Myers. And I wouldn't want him to trade Jake, Jake Myers if Trey Cabbage is the answer. Well, I don't want <laughs> Trey Cabbage or Jake Myers, but I'd like options that don't include Jake Myers being a starting outfielder in this outfield. Sure, but that this isn't one. Uh, H-Town Wheelhouse, I love him. He has one of the hottest uh, Astro podcasts that exist. He's always very optimistic about the Astros. He said number 26 rated prospect for the Angels. Kid strikes out a ton. If they can fix the issues in his swing, this dude hits tanks! Exclamation point. He had tanks in AAA. Something tells me that him going to the big leagues isn't going to fix his strikeout problem. If anything, it's going to increase the strikeout problem. Usually 26-year-old guys don't really fix the holes in their swings. Yeah, by that time in their career, it's probably it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a guy that can compete for roster spot number 26. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776, uh, 8986. How do you feel that Granado did the What Up H-Town intro? I did not know that he did it. I did not know that he did it either. Joe, we're going to need an intern to... Uh, to find out when he did it, and then we're going to have to play it on our on our show to see yeah. how it stacks up with Blankers. Do you think it's better or worse than yours, Blankers? <laughs> No-brainer. I mean, come on. You Who doesn't answer? listen to him, but I don't think he's going to do it nearly as good, and he shouldn't. 
Yeah. You didn't really answer the question, though. Eh, I guess you did. I, I it, guess it's you not answered even the a, question. It's not even a contest. But we'll leave it up to the listeners on who listen, did it better. <laughs> listen, look. I mean, I don't do that. Uh, six, four, five, three. Actually, it's Wheat Straw. Uh, we work. We just use the ESPN 97.5 app to listen to you degenerates. Thank you for listening, Wheat Straw. But we're talking about the Twitchers. Those are the people that listen to our show that do not work. Not that that's a problem. Hey, you don't need to work. That's fine. By it's any okay. means necessary. We're not worried about whether you're paying bills or not. Just make sure you do what you need to do to listen to us. 60, 30. Oh, so they're going to fix you. Yiner's strikeout problem, but y'all think he's the truth? Okay. I don't mind if a guy strikes out a lot if he hits 30 home runs, and that's probably what Yiner Diaz is going to do. Yiner Diaz hit 20-something home runs last year as a rookie. I don't really care that he strikes out a ton. And actually, Yiner Diaz is pretty good. Con- I know that he strikes out, but Yiner Diaz's contact actually above average, according to the rest of baseball. If you look at baseball, Savant, his K percentage is in the 65th percentile. It's above average. Look at how many at-bats he didn't get last year, but what he did win when he got them, and this was his first go-round in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean, if you want to start crapping on Yiner Diaz already, that's on you, but I expect him to get better, and he will obviously be able to fine-tune his swing. I'm not worried about Yiner Diaz. His K percentage is above average. Like, that's the, the funny part of that. Like, it seems like he strikes out a lot because he swings at a lot of pitches and swings and misses at a lot of pitches, but he puts the ball in play more than, like, the average guy. Uh, three six six seven. Do you think we could get a month's supply of bubble gum for Myers? I think that's a big ask. Okay, here's the. I take a little bit of it. I'm gonna. I guess I'm gonna have to be the Jake Myers defender. And I don't love that he's the everyday starting center fielder for the Astros, but I feel like he's getting more grief than is deserved for who Jake Myers is. So I guess I'm just gonna have to stick up for Myers, the voice of the voiceless. Here I am, Branham. Um, what is your what's who's starting in center field and who's starting in left field if you trade Jake Myers for a piece of bubble? Well, gum? I'm starting Chaz in okay. center field. For and then who's sure. your left fielder? Well, I mean. For the most part, it's going to be it's going to be Jordan. That's a huge problem with me. And now, if it's but okay, let's keep going down that path. If he's your left fielder, who's your DH? Well, then it's a nice <laughs> problem to have if you figure that if he if Crane already opened the pocketbook to to do what he needed to do with Hater. That if you know you wait to see kind of some of the dust settle, but there's some veterans out there. If it's just if you're just in need of a designated hitter, there's a couple guys that could come in off the street and for six million dollars a year. If you're JD Martinez, JD Martinez could be your designated hitter. If if that was the problem that I had to worry about instead of you know the outfield, I would love to have JD Martinez as my designated hitter, knowing that that guy's at least going to be a stick in the lineup. I feel like saying $5 million is putting it super cheap. Justin Turner just got $13 million. Yeah, but he ain't Justin Turner because he can't play the field. Yeah, Justin Turner doesn't play much of the field anymore. He plays first. He plays third. Yeah, I think he's going to be their DH, though. I think they signed him to be their DH. Okay, but isn't he? I think Justin Turner's younger, too, isn't he? Is he not? I think he's right around the same age. Justin Turner's in his late 30s. I'll be curious to see what J.D. gets because the last time I looked at it, I thought that the, the market was saying it was around $6 million a year for J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez is 36 years. He's younger than Justin Turner. 36. Justin Turner is 39. Hmm. Yeah, and I think, how much did J.D. Martinez make last year? I think he made a decent amount, and he Dodgers had a good year. Him. They had a good year, but then they let him walk. He made $10 million last year. Like, I, don't, I, I, I can't I, imagine. I, you might be able to he get makes for, less for than six 10. or seven. I would be stunned if he gets less than $10 million. If Justin Turner's making 13 Martinez made 10 last year and had a good year, I would be shocked if you can get Martinez for less than 10 Now, regardless, okay. Martinez being your DH, Jordan being your left fielder, that's a way better offense. There's no mm-hmm. doubt it's a way better offense. 
I don't want Jordan Alvarez playing left field 150 games. That's a recipe for disaster. I, I hear you, and I know we're on the same page with that, and we've been in agreement on that the entire time. I, I would prefer to not go down that route, now. I, and I know that he would prefer to play left field, and ev- evidently they're hell-bent on him playing at least 50% of the time out there, but you still add a fourth outfielder. If it's Corey Jolks, you can add Corey Jolks. But, I mean, if you can find a, a fourth outfielder in your system or you want to you know, rush one of your guys up there, so be it. But... For the fact that that offense would be so much better. And, yeah, I I would be concerned about Jordan getting hurt in the outfield. But at the same time, he could play a good enough left field. He can play left field, like, defensively. I just don't want him out there. And it seems like the Astros don't want him out there either. I think that's part of the reason that they they are making Jake Myers their full-time guy in center field. Now, I'd I'd be cool with a left-handed bat that you can platoon out there a little bit. Like, Adam Duvall is still out there. Like, I'd be fine with a platoon of Adam Duvall and Jake Myers, and you slide Chaz to center when Duvall plays left. But I'm not trading Jake Myers until I do those things. And even if I do those things, Jake Myers is a nice option to have off the bench that can play defense late in the game. Like, even in your scenario, I want Jake Myers. Like, if you're Jordan's your left fielder and J.D. Martinez is your DH. You have a lead after seven. I'm pulling Jordan Alvarez mm-hmm. and putting Jake in center. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the trade Jake Myers for peanuts makes absolutely see, no I, sense but, to me. And I do think that made, there's there's teams that have put value on Jake Myers. He's young enough. He has speed. He, you know, he can play defensive outfield. I think he's Kevin Kiermeyer. Kevin Kiermeyer got a $10.5 million deal. I don't know if I'd go that far. The yet. defensive metrics Kiermaier. would have him pretty even. And offensively, Kevin Kiermaier had a good year. He, he had did. his best In offensive Toronto. year. Yeah. He did have his best offensive year. Uh, this guy says uh, Corey Jolks and Dubon. See, Dubon, to me, is super utility. He's playing almost every single day, but he's bouncing around in different positions. I don't want to pencil Mauricio Dubon into one of my starting nine positions because I want him to be my super utility guy because I have to factor in injury. He misses Corey Jolks, or he mentions Corey Jolks, and I love Corey Jolks. Go Cougs. Corey Jolks is a very similar offensive player to Jake Myers. Like last year, just take last year's numbers. Jolks hit for a higher average, 245 to Myers, 227. They both got on base right around 296, 297. Myers slugged more than Corey Jolks. Jake Myers had a 678 OPS. Corey Jolks had a 650. Jake Myers' OPS plus was 86. Corey Jolks was 79. I I hate to say this because I'm a Corey Jolks fan. Believe you me. Love the guy. Go Cougs. Jake Myers is a better player than Corey Jolks. Offensively, he's a better player than Corey Jolks, and he plays an above average to good center field. Some would say really good. And Corey Jolks plays left field. Like, Jake Myers is a better player than Corey Jolks. Yeah, no, look, I think, you know, both can be true. I I just don't, I don't want Jake Myers as my starting center fielder. And I like the fact that I, I, that I think Chaz plays a better than average center field too. Chaz's bat is obviously a lot better, and I would feel a lot better if Chaz was in center and if obviously our ultimate dream scenario was they would go out and get another bat to play left field and leave Jordan at DH. If they're not going to do that, just for the the sheer standpoint of being the best offensive lineup you can be, and I don't think you're that bad defensively because Jordan does have an above average arm and in left field See, and, I just with don't, a short port. I just don't think that's a realistic option. Like they've, they've made it very clear that Jordan Alvarez is going to play left field very, very few games. Well, Bagwell said 50%. That was two years ago, and Bagwell is no longer in charge. Right, but I mean, okay, now what you're assuming that now Dana Brown is going to have better conversations than he had with Dusty, and they're just going to... I will bet you whatever, you can name the stakes, that Jordan Alvarez will not start 81 games in the outfield. I mean, 81 might be expensive. That's 50%. Probably, I know, but he's going to get hurt too, Jeremy. We know he's fragile. Okay, well, what? Uh, let's put it at, I'll go 50. You don't think Jordan Alvarez will start 50 games in left field? Nope. Okay, what do you, I mean, what do you want to do? 
Uh, you name the stakes, Joe. What should our bet be here? Joran Alvarez will start less than they're going to sign Jorge Soler later today. Uh, <laughs> That'd be awesome, uh, by the way. I mean, you, we, just, we can do a lunch bet. We can do our standard lunch. We have That's to fine. do better at tracking our bets. Yeah, we, I make hundreds we, of bets. Starting ninety nine of them, except for the bottle right. of General Ben that I owe you and the hat that I owe Joel. All right, so fifty starts in the outfield. Fifty starts yeah. in the outfield. Yeah. Uh, just lunch, lunch yeah. one day. Fine. Um, because I don't think that's – I like your offensive mind there. Like, yep. it'd be cool. Like, that's fine. I, I don't want Jordan playing the outfield because I think he would get hurt. I think that the Astros have that same mentality. I don't think that's a realistic plan for Jake Myers to not be your starting center fielder. Now, like I mentioned in Adam Duvall, yeah, yeah, I know that he's right-handed, but Adam Duvall had reverse splits last year, and he can play a little bit of center field. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be something that intrigues me. But I don't think that the plan is let's trade Jake and then figure it out later. That can't be the plan. No. And even if that is the plan, Jake Myers should be part of your outfield, even if he's not starting every day. Yeah, and I'm not saying they should be out there – outwardly trying to trade him right now. No, I was re- oh, this was more response yeah, 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 to the yeah, texture. Yeah. But, I, but I would hope that they're not done, you know, kicking the tires and looking around and scouring to see who could possibly be upgrade in the outfield. And like you said, I mean, look, the ideal scenario is if there's a guy or two out there that has the versatility to play, that has some speed, that can play multiple positions in the outfield, that'd be great. Yeah, no, yeah, it really would. A two four four. Keep your on in his Bambi legs in the DH spot. Sorry, we got sidetracked there. That's all. That's your God, fault. Every listeners. time that comes up, I can't stop thinking about that. Look, that where he ran into the alley and slipped on the ice. It looked like he slipped on ice. I thought he tore everything in his knee. I feel bad that I I made that bet with you. I feel like I got one over on you. Seven three seven eight zero three seven seven six. All right, D'Amico Ryan's. Uh, this date last year, uh, he was announced. But Adam Schefter reported that he was the next head coach of the Houston. Texans we've lived it for 365 days what's your impression of D'Amico Ryan's after a year 713-780-3776 it's the killer bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5 ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 everyone loves our chicken pot pie chicken pot chicken pot chicken pot pie Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. He's Blank. I'm Brandon. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, 713-780-ESPN. D'Amico Ryans was announced to be the head coach of the Texans by Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter reported that D'Amico was going to be the head coach this day last year, 2023. We've lived it for a year, Blankers. What's your one-year impression of D'Amico Ryans? I mean, we just got done talking about it, you know, early on in the show. How could you not be ecstatic about D'Amico Ryans? I mean, yeah, you could just generalize it as quickly as you can. He wasn't Nathaniel Hackett. You know what? He was the actually he was actually the exact opposite of Nathaniel Hackett. He was everything that you could have hoped he could be, starting right from the jump. Because right from the jump, you knew he was going to be classy. You knew he knew how to handle himself. You knew that he wasn't going to embarrass himself. But at the same time, he got the staff right. He got he, he obviously picked the right offensive coordinator. We were on on board with right from the get go. We assumed that he was going to call. We were. I was hoping that he was going to call the plays. He did. The defense was. An upgrade. The offense, obviously, an upgrade. They got their franchise quarterback. But then the bigger thing for me was you. I wasn't sure how Nick Casario, who was the, the basically the mouthpiece of the franchise and seemingly the top of the pyramid from football operations, was going to accept a guy that's probably was probably brought in here to be here longer or to be more of a voice. The fact that there was synergy from the jump, the way we saw them handle the draft, and then we said the way we saw the, the season play out, 
I couldn't be happier with D'Amico Ryans. And like even you, and as you said, the culture and everything changed for the better and the results were there. Obviously, from a marketing standpoint, it's they're more difficult to measure. From a football standpoint, there was no questioning the fact that everything was going in the right direction and it happened a lot quicker than some of us like myself thought it was going to happen. I couldn't be happier with D'Amico. Yeah, this is like... D'Amico's not perfect. Like no one, no one's perfect. Like we all aspire for perfection. We're never going to uh, achieve perfection. It, it's just the way that it is. He has some things that I think you can critique. Now, those things are something I would expect from a first-year head coach. Uh, and I would say that most of this stuff happened early in the year. I didn't think his timeout usage was fantastic. Uh, I didn't think he was terrific at like challenging plays. We saw that. It wasn't the Baltimore. Was it the Baltimore game in the playoffs or was it the Cleveland game? It was the Baltimore game when Devin Singletary was a yard. He was spotted a a yard shy of the first down marker when he actually landed on the defender, rolled forward, had the first down by a yard or two, like a two to three yard difference there. And it's like, hey, it's a play you should challenge. Uh, Didn't challenge it. He had times when he wasted timeouts. I'll go back to the week two, Shane Steichen, whenever he was forced to take a timeout because Steichen ran the offense. He ran the punt team on, ran them off, ran the offense on and burned a timeout out whenever you're allowed to mm-hmm. substitute. So like, but those are first year things. Those are rookie head coach mistakes. I'm not going to hold that against D'Amico Ryan's. Where I thought D'Amico Ryan's really excelled, and look, I think that this defense certainly got much better from the start of the year to the end of the year. I think a microcosm of that is Christian Harris. Look where Harris was at the start of the year. Look where Harris was at the end of the season. This and look, same thing with like Will Anderson. John Grenard had a career year. The defensive tackle, D'Amico, saying like the defensive line, they have to improve. What even that good? Look good to us. So. I think that he did a tremendous job in developing his defense. I think he did a tremendous job just changing the culture, too. Like we mentioned in our opening segment, Slowick wanted to stay here, turn down opportunities to be a head coach. Uh, didn't turn down the chance, didn't turn down a head coaching job, took down an opportunity to be a head coach. Same thing with Gerard. He didn't turn down an offense coordinator job. He turned down an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator. But that shows you the culture is very good. The players even say the same thing. And like, I never, like, sometimes I, it's hard to listen to a player because it's like, well, yeah, we love it here well do you love it because the coach is tough on you and really coaching you up or because they let you do whatever but they tell you that D'Amico is tough gets the best out of you they love to play for him because he he helps you develop and become a better football player and even if they didn't make the playoffs it was night and day where this organization was before he took the job a laughing stock in the NFL to where they are now where people are talking about their Super Bowl window opening up so D'Amico Ryan's 10 out of 10 Unbelievable praise, not perfect, uh, but I no, couldn't be happier with what the Houston Texans have done in 365 days under D'Amico's guidance and leadership. And, if, and we can, and obviously you're right. There are there are things we can pick throughout the season where he he, he was he was less than for you know for whatever the scenario was. But overall, to have them where he had this team, to have them winning the division, to have them winning a playoff game to do the things they were doing. And you think about it. Well, why does he have all those things? Why does he have the Well, from the ownership's perspective, they knew him as a player. So he already knew the building. He, he kind of he knew the ownership. He, he had that going for him. He comes from a winner. He comes from San Francisco, who was winning, and he comes from that Shanahan tree. So the players coming in are going to respect that part of it. But especially from the defense, but overall, he's also coming from a, a long NFL career. So people are going to respect Ben there, done that. I've seen it happen time and time again throughout coaching. Players will react differently and respect quicker guys that have played and been where they are currently to understand that they understand what they're going through, but what it takes to be successful. So he had all those things lined up, you know, in his back pocket as well, so that he could win over the players, the locker room, and get, you know, everybody to kind of take real 
what he was saying in terms of setting up the culture. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Where do you think? Or what do you think of a year of D'Amico Ryan's on the job? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Joseph, he did a great job. Like I don't think there's really too much to nitpick. I, I think that you know you go back to the beginning of the season when he went for earlier on fourth down. I think he was a little inconsistent with that. And I, I would like to see in year two D'Amico Ryan's try to figure out who he wants to be as a head coach. Like, does he want to go full Dan Campbell? Uh, just don't be Brandon Staley. Like, don't 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 be wishy washy about it. But overall, I think he, he was absolutely incredible this year. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, they hit a home run certainly with uh, with this hire seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. A few texts on this seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six eight eight six three. Absolutely love D'Amico. He's exactly what this team needed. I was upset when we lost him as a player. Love that he is here. I love that uh, this is where he wants to be. It's been such a blessing. God willing, he's here for a long time, like Belichick or uh, Tomlin. It is hard to imagine him not being here for a long time. It is hard mm-hmm. to imagine that D'Amico Ryan's isn't here for the next seven years. Like when when we turn to the new decade, I would be stunned if D'Amico Ryan's was not the head coach of the Texans. Yeah, because. There are certain things, no matter, you know, the schedule's going to change. Your roster is going to change. But I don't think anybody has any indication D'Amico's not, that D'Amico's going to change. He's going to be who he is, who he always has been, and who he's shown us he's going to be as a head coach. And I think that's a massive positive because you're right. I mean, you get these quirky kind of coaches. Like, no offense to Dan Campbell, but at a certain point, if that could wear off if, if the, you know, the tough guy bite their kneecaps off, rah-rah guy, that at a certain point you could see wearing off or at a certain point, rubs players the wrong way. But the way D'Amico goes about his business, I, I think, and as we just highlighted, guys are going to be always going to be able to buy into what D'Amico is trying to get them to do. Yeah, yeah I. it seems like he has the total buy-in. Um, well-respected around the league. Everybody seems to, to love D'Amico. And one thing that helps him is that he has a quarterback. Like, oh, no doubt. <laughs> it makes it easy to think that he's going to be here a long time because he has the quarterback. If you still had poor quarterback play and he was coming off a 6-11 and season, would you expect him to be here in 2030? Eh, you would have some reservations. You would have some doubts. You'd be like, give him a chance, give him a chance. But after a year, because he has Stroud, the arrow's pointing up. It's hard to imagine a scenario where they're like, yeah, we're, we're, we're done with D'Amico Ryan. Well, and when you talk to the defensive players, the veterans that have been in other locker rooms, and those are the guys that are singing his praises going, you know, even Singletary and, and Cashman, some of those guys are saying, this is the most fun I ever had playing football because D'Amico gets you from the jump to want to play for him and want to do what he wants you to do, and I think that's phenomenal. I think I had D'Amico on my number three wish list last year. I had him behind Ben Johnson. who I had Ben Johnson as my clear away number one. He was my favorite. And I had Shane Steichen slightly ahead of D'Amico. Slightly ahead of D'Amico. And I think Steichen has done a tremendous job with Indianapolis. I know he didn't get him to the playoffs. I know he didn't win a division title. He was a game away from doing it, playing the Texans in that final week. But he lost his rookie quarterback. And I still think very highly of Shane Steichen. But I wouldn't trade D'Amico for the world for Shane Steichen. A revisionist history, hindsight being twenty twenty. If I could make that decision again, I would have D'Amico at the top of that list. And I still love Ben Johnson. I still really like Shane Steichen. I would flip D'Amico to number one. Six six eight nine says D'Amico is absolutely for the best guy for the team. That's what made me think about that. I had him third last year. If I could rewind three hundred and sixty five days ago, and I still think the same about Ben Johnson. I still I think, think that the same about Shane Steichen, who I don't think the same about is D'Amico. And I was high on D'Amico, but I'm higher on D'Amico now than I was 360. We were both on Ben Johnson. I wanted an offensive-minded head coach. Same. And, and that's where I started that discussion. But I wasn't as high on Steichen as you were. 
But I, I thought that for all the other reasons that D'Amico was, I think, second on my list, just simply because of the fact that he'd been there, done that, and you needed a guy that was right from the jump going to be accepted by this city and accept, accepted by this this organization and, and hopefully allowed to do things to change the, the, the overall narrative because it was so embarrassingly bad, and he was a guy that carried himself in such a way that he could do it. But I, I, I quite honestly, I wanted an offensive-minded head coach first, but D'Amico was very high on my list. Tube King on YouTube asks, uh, is CJ staying too? Yeah, yeah, CJ will yeah, be Yeah, there's here a good chance. For the, uh, the next few years. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. You've had a year of D'Amico as your football coach in this city. What's your impression after a year? Also, get to some of the Rockets talk. I, I don't understand the fascination with trading for a guard. Can someone explain this to me like I'm two years old? 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. We, we told you guys yesterday that we lost a good friend of the radio station. Ricky Ford passed away over the weekend. Ricky Ford, the founder and president of Persado and Gentle Bend Spirits, uh, found out Monday morning. Of course, if you've been following us in this show for the last few years, Ricky and Gentle Bend were one of my first uh, partners and clients that we had here at the station. So quickly got to know Ricky, quickly uh, quickly made a friend with Ricky because he makes friends with everybody. He made friends with Blankers, for goodness sake. Uh, Ricky was a great family man, a contributor in his communities of Pearland and Alvin, a proud Texas A&M graduate and an amazing leader for his team at Gentle Bend Spirits. He'll be sorely missed by everybody. He'll be missed here. Please offer thoughts and prayers to his family, friends, company, employees. And the next time you're having a cocktail, raise your glass and pay tribute to Ricky Ford. ESPN 97.5 on YouTube. Dog Show. God loves a terrier. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's uh, he's Blank. I'm Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Uh, 8807, Will Patton to Denzel Washington. You are the right man for the job, Vibes. Can you quote the movie? Do you know the movie? Yeah. Um, it's the I submarine said, movie. No. No. It's not Will Patton. Now, this is kind of Will Patton's the actor. It's not the character's name. Denzel Washington, obviously the actor, not the character's name either. Was it Remember the Titans? Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. That's one of my probably my top two, top three sports movies. And I'm not a big sports movie fan because I think a lot of them are super unrealistic. I would include Remember the Titans. Like there was a chance for the other team to nail out the ball. Titans didn't have a timeout. There was under like 25 seconds, and they they snapped the ball, and then there was a scoop and score for a touchdown. I was like, oh, my goodness, guys. Like, Can you get a football consultant that's like hanging out with the director? That stuff rubs me the wrong way, and it's for a reason I don't like sports movies. But that the message of that movie is greater than like the sports of that yeah. movie, so I love that movie because of that. But I that's the reason I don't like sports movies is because they do stupid stuff like that. Sometimes I'll accidentally I'll, I'll quote that movie like it's an important person. When they say uh, the attitude reflects leadership part yeah. of the movie, like because it's a great line, it's so true yeah. in sports. Attitude reflects leadership. I just forget that it comes from a movie. Yeah, it's, it's based on a true story. Yes, but I don't know if it's that line mostly was mostly true. Yeah, I don't you know. cannot. What was the, what's the Gary's last name? Boutier, or how do you pronounce it? You cannot Boutier? replace a Gary Boutier. Something like, like that. At the yeah. very yeah, it's a really good movie. I I do love Remember the Titans. That's some good sports but movies, I dislike but... sports movies. Like people love Tin Cup. Love Tin Cup. Yeah, but cup. you got to take that within I context. I hate Tin Cup. Hate it. 
the very end of that movie when he hits all the balls in the water. Dude, it is so frustrating. It I can't is even painful. Watch it. Yes, to the point that it makes me hate Tin Cup. Yes, I don't know how long that movie is. Let's call it two hours, and let's say that happens in the last ten minutes. The first hour and fifty minutes of Tin Cup, terrific, tremendous. It was filmed in Kingwood. Yep. The island hole is actually a peninsula hole at Deerwood, number four, one of the toughest par that fours in the entire state of Texas, yep. especially from the tips. But the last 10 minutes of Tin Cup makes me despise that movie. There are times I can't watch it because it's so frustratingly blood-boiling, like, just stop already. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I mean, but think about Friday Night Lights. Yeah. Friday Night Lights was a good one. Friday Night Lights is a good movie. I, I, don't, I don't remember Friday Night Lights having anything crazy. Yeah, I can't think. I, I, right off the top of my head when you said that, I was like, Friday Night Lights, I don't think that had you stuff know, that was unrealistic. The best, the best sports movies are the ones that actually show the fewest amount of sports. It's just mm. kind of the setting of the movie. 42 was awesome. 42 is really good. I don't know if 42 makes like my... Like, you know what movie I liked a lot? It was 61. And no one talks about 61. I never saw 61 it. 61 was the Billy very Crystal good. One. Billy Crystal on yeah. HBO. 61 asterisk next to it. Yeah. I've never seen yeah. that one. Fantastic. I, I like a league of their own. I like a league of their own. I don't think there's a whole t- well, there's there's a good amount of sports. How do you how do you define a their sports own. movie? Like I like Major sports. League, but I don't expect yeah. re- really realistic from Major League. And I had fun with it. And once you go comedy, like you don't really need to be realistic right. cuz it's a comedy. That's what I was asking. Is Happy yeah. Gilmore a sports movie? No, I mean it is a sports movie, but once you go comedy, you're going to be silly. So whenever you're going silly, I don't need you to be like super realistic. But if you're a serious movie, I would expect you to have some serious Serious realism right. in it. What yeah. was the Costner one where he was late in his career and he threw the no hitter? That's um for the Tigers. It was like the great. Uh, I I know exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. I what a bad movie. No, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's like going through his like entire life yeah. as he's yeah. throwing the perfect yep. game. It tells yep. a good story. Yeah, it was good. It's well, not that. That's not the greatest game. Or what's it called? The uh, I'll look it up. Yeah, I got it. I watched uh, I watched a new sports movie last night. Uh, the, for the love of the game, yeah, mm-hmm. for the love of the game. Mm-hmm. The uh, the boys in the boat. Did you guys see that? No, I've never heard of it. It was the one. It came out in 2023. It's about like these like a bunch of these poor kids who go to University of Washington, and they end up they're, they're a, crew, a row crew, and they end up going oh, to that's the Olympics. The, uh, George Clooney directed it, I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah, like they end up going to Berlin and winning a gold medal. It's a true story. It was really good. I watched it last night. Yeah, I'm almost positive Clooney directed that. Really? Yep. yep. Yes, huh. yes, directed by George Clooney. You're right. There you go. Right on the right on the nose. One five nine seven. Any given Sunday with a praise emoji. That's from Jason and Champions. Any given Sunday is a good movie. Longest Yard. Any given Sunday. Which P- one? Pacino was the coach. I right? like the second one better. The longest Yard, man. Yeah, Pacino's yeah. the coach. Yeah, Pacino was and, the, um, the tough ass. Blanking on his name, he has the tattoo on his back of his head now. Jamie Fox. Oh yeah, Jamie yeah. Fox was the quarterback. Uh, the quarterback who got yep. you know benched or whatever. One seven one five is Waterboy, a sports movie. That's a that's a sports movie, but it's a comedy. So once you go comedy and silly and goofy, like I don't I don't I need like you to some be high quality H two O. Yeah, Bobby it's, Boucher. It's a good movie. It's also I still think Happy Gilmore is the better of the two sportsy. I would agree. Movies. I would agree with that. Uh, my Happy Gilmore is my favorite, also of like the, all the Adam Sandler movies. Big Daddy, period. <laughs> I do love Big Daddy. Big Daddy's a great. I, I do. I do love Big Daddy. Yeah, I do too. Y'all overrate Big Daddy. Uh, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Everything else is on a different tier when it comes to. And I don't really. I don't love Adam Sandler. I love him in those two movies. I. I don't really. I mean, he's got a lot of money, and he's sure. ma- and he keeps making a lot of movies. But yeah, there's very there's a few that I like. He had a kids movie that he made the other day or the earlier, like, like a cartoon. Yeah, it's animated. I think it's on Netflix. It's actually okay. Like it's you know you watch it with the kids or whatever. Um, I've never heard of this movie. Have y'all heard of this? My All American about Freddie Joe no. Stein. I've never heard of that movie. Have you heard of that movie, Joe? Uh-oh. No. Was um, the, the program was the one where they laid in the middle of the street? 
and then they, and then they had to cut it out because high school or high school teams were trying to do it, and there was an accident or something. Pretty sure. Yeah, that was pretty good. They, the uniforms looked like Florida State. Yeah, I was super young, but I do remember good watching. It's that a pretty movie. good flick. The uh, other Hoosiers, one I, Hoosiers is great. Hoosiers, Hoosiers is awesome. Good. Hoosiers is great. Yep. The other one from last year that I haven't seen yet came out towards the end of the year. I, I really want to see the Iron Claw. I've heard about the Von Erics. I've heard it's very good, like tragic stories. So, like I, I'm very curious to see it, but I heard like even Zach Efron's pretty good in it. I want to watch that as well. the The wrestler with Mickey uh, Mickey Rourke. I like really, that one. Really good. Three three zero zero says I never trust anyone who doesn't like Tim Cup. Well, it's Tim Cup, not Tim, Tim Cup. Cup. And you, you, I guess you like fiction. Three four five one white man can't jump. That's a really good one. It was a great. Flip. Did you see the remake? I did not. I haven't. I'm not like I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't really it, care, but I to. I seriously doubt I'll ever watch that movie. But Jack Harlow, right? Like he doesn't do anything for me. Well, he's he's getting. Sold. I like Jack Harlow. He got a music. New Balance deal. He's in all those commercials. I mean, dude is rolling in it. What about Field of Dreams? Love Field sucks. Twenty twenty two. I loved it. <laughs> it sucks. That movie. I loved is it. So overrated. I loved it, and I loved it more because of the. I and we've talked about it before, but the the when he has the last catch with his dad. Let's have a catch. Yeah, and and. and when you've lost your dad and you remember that, you know, all your baseball memories growing up were playing catch in the backyard with your dad, it'll hit you the right way. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that part of it, but the, the rest of the movie, nah, it's not for me. It's a field of mid is what it is. Corey, I like Friday Night Lights, the show, well, more than the movie. I agree, agree with that. What about I, Bull Durham? I like Bull Durham. I like Bull Durham a lot, too. I like Bull Durham. Um, Friday Night Lights, the show, is better than the movie. I almost quit Friday Night Lights, the show, after one episode, though. Really? Why? You remember what happened in the first episode? Was it when he breaks his neck? Yeah, it's like, here we go. Another yeah. football story where the quarterback breaks. I, it almost lost me. I said, eh, I almost lost me. But I stuck it out, and it's really, really Where good. are we on the natural? Eh, it's okay. I, I, I was not. I was not a big fan of that. See, that's movie. another one that's like kind of unrealistic for me. Like, yeah, wasn't he in his thirties, the... and then he's leading the league in home runs? Like, that doesn't happen. And then the Wonder Boy <laughs> bat, and then he, you know, knocks the light out, and all the music. Uh, and and not the much. not the not the Cubs one, not the rookie of the year, the 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 rookie, the Dennis Quaid one. I think is who it is. Where he's like, he's like an old man. Yeah, he comes out and he ends up getting back in the leagues. He's like thirty five. He's a cub. Oh, oh, oh no, 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 he was a no, ray. No, I'm saying, yeah, no, no devil ray. That's no, a real, he's a ray. No, ray. based on a true story. He was a ray. No, I'm saying yeah. that yeah. not because people get rookie of the year and the rookie oh. confused. Oh, she's saying not the rookie of the year, the kid. Yeah, one. I got you. Which I love that one. Which that's the one that makes. Um, I mean, the kid, they they portray King Griffey Jr. as a villain in that movie. I know, I know like, they do. Are you kid me, King Griffey Jr., the sweetest swing in baseball, oh and he's goodness. the villain. My favorite baseball Can't player have of all that time. The villain. One six five two. Shocking that Branham doesn't like something. Three three zero zero. Unnecessary roughness. Texas State armadillos. That was a really good movie. They had like the who was the who was the female kicker? It was a really famous actress back in the day. I can't remember her name. I don't know. Uh, we'll look at that one up, too. Major League is a great. Mm-hmm. Like Major League's awesome. Blue Chips, says Corey. Did you like Blue oh, Chips? I love Blue Chips. I did, too. Yeah, it was a really good flick. Shaq in there and Nick Nolte. Yeah. Was, and then the, Penny Hardaway. The, yeah, and Penny. And all the cameos from all the different college coaches was great. They had the white guy who was, like, pretending to be Larry Bird. Like, you could tell that that was, like, the story. Where you went and you, like, recruited a guy from Indiana. Oh, that's who right. was shooting, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, hoops yeah. in his driveway with the wooden backboard. Uh, I've never seen Coach Carter. Somebody said, we are Marshall. That's Matthew McConaughey. I've never seen. Yeah, uh, that's the tragic story, right? I ha- yeah, the, the Marshall plane crash. Yep. Did you see that? We are Marshall? It's, I did. It's good. It is good. I don't is think it? it's, I've never seen it. It's not in, like, that, uh, that elite sports movie. We haven't mentioned Miracle yet. Great Miracle? Movie. Yeah. I Kathy Ireland was the kicker, the sports, Ill- the sports Illustrated cover model. Yeah, I knew it was somebody famous in that time. Rudy is terrible, says Tyler and Conroe. I agree. I think Rudy is pretty bad. I, I think Rudy, Rudy got worse when you found out that Rudy wasn't that kind of guy in real life. <laughs> somebody said eastbound and down. <laughs> 
the HBO uh, the show. Series. Gotta, Sandlot's a great movie. I was going to ask about Sandlot, and then, look. I think I know, Sandlot's okay. I know I'm young. I love Space Jam. I really? Don't. I do I don't. love Space Jam. I don't at all. I'm not a big I didn't Space try. Jam I didn't try the I'll, LeBron okay. version, but. He Got Game is good. He Got Game is good. I do. I like He Got Game yep. as well. Honey Glaze Branham, Big Daddy is awful, and it's for people with low IQ. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> That's a good way to end that segment. 713-780-ESP. We got sidetracked again. Sorry there, Joe George. I, I don't understand the fascination with trading for a guard. Why? Why would the Rockets trade for a guard? Also, Fred Van Vliet, he has a three-year contract. Do you want him here all three of those years? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here, your family. Look at our family now. 